hear this guitar, but you can't see it. But anyway, <laughs> so if I want to go here, one to four, yeah. you know, yeah. so instead of going straight like that, like, he went from one to Ah, that is a jazz thing to do. I yeah. Don't think you hear that. So that was don't stop to ask. And so so that yeah. immediately told me this guy is a jazz guy. I said, what do you want? He says, Well, we're sort of thinking strings and brass, but we can't afford strings. And I said, What do you mean you can't? He's well phonogram, Mercury, who they were. Debut album, right? Yeah, they, they were they were a new album. group. Nobody knew anything yeah. about them. And they said, well, yeah. we can afford brass. We can afford a four-piece brass section. It's all in my book. Yeah. My, my other book here, this one, is, oh. I, I have the arrangement there. And, ah. uh, and of course, if, it, if you cool. go to the, to the end chapters, I talk about myself. And I, well, anyway, it's all, you know, there's music here. And you can, you can see the original arrangement. Uh, wow. But anyway, I knew I had to do the strings using synthesizers. And I hired this great guy who I knew called Vic, who was a wonderful, he was in a group called Sad Cafe. Do you remember the, that group? You know what, I, somebody actually requested a song by Sad Cafe recently at a gig of mine. And I, um, I, hadn't, I haven't heard, I still haven't heard them, but I need to, I need to because um, I, I was recommended them highly. Yeah, they, they, had a, they had a great single that went I think I can't remember the title of it but it was a great they were a good group and so but I knew this guy who would and he had the Yamaha CS80 now I don't know if you remember this keyboard but it it was a beautiful sounding keyboard but it was the size of a hippo and it weighed four times what a hippo weighs and so transporting it anywhere was torture pain and you knew that you were going to throw your back out anytime that you had to move it anywhere so only people who were in groups like sad cafe and could afford roadies uh could have a keyboard like this but it was gorgeous and it had it had wonderful pads i mean uh, yeah. one you know sort of lyle maze-ish types pads but I but know. it also had a, he had, had programmed a string sound that didn't make me actually gag because most synthetic <laughs> strings make me actually gag. Yeah. Uh, so I wrote out the string arrangement and then he played the individual parts in. We did violin one, violin two, violas, cello, and, and that's how we manifested the string wow. section on that record. And if you listen to it, it's not it's not a good sound i'm not going to say that it's a good sound but it was kind of good in the terms of pop yeah so, absolutely so, i mean it, it, it sounded like a lot more modern synth string than uh, than most records of the time because yeah uh, you know because the synth sounds have got better i think in terms of strings as they've got more sophisticated over the years i don't know if you would agree or not but indeed yeah but, um, no, they, no they have and and of course now we have we're using digital samples so yeah it it sounds pretty good apart from Mm -hmm. uh it's complete and utter lack of dynamics because uh, when you're playing a violin as you well know Mm -hmm. you know one note can have a whole range of dynamics whereas with with uh the samples it's much harder Mm -hmm. and takes much more time and by the time you've spent the money on the 
on on the uh, the instrument and the studio time and and all of that, you could have gone in with the string section and nailed it in thirty minutes. You know. So anyway, <laughs> that's that's a little rant over with. But Radio Richard, share, subscribe, even donate. So that's how we did the strings on it. But for the brass, I, I had John Thurkle, uh, who mm. of course is still with Swing Our Sister to this day, uh, doing gigs and, and uh, one of the greatest uh, people I've ever known in the music business. And uh, he can do everything. And uh, so he got together a little section and, and, and that's what, how we did that. Now, when I heard the track, the first thing I heard was this, long longish introduction mm -hmm. and i thought hmm we got to do something there and then and then i heard a, a kind of a bass riff mm -hmm. and i but there was nothing happening there so then i thought okay and then i heard the song and the song was great but to me the song didn't actually have a hook in the traditional pop sense of a hook what happens mm -hmm. is it's got don't stop to ask. We gotta find a way. Break out. And that's that is the whole hook is break yeah. out. If, and this don't stop to ask. I don't really regard that quite as a hook. I regard it from a songwriter's point of view as a fantastic ramp up to the hook or a pre-chorus. But but the real chorus is but so then I had four bars with nothing in it. Yeah except a, a fantastic groove and a bass line that was reminiscent of a kind of a Joe Zawinul weather report kind of yeah. sound. Absolutely. Like a slap, sort of, yeah, quite funky. Okay, yeah. so then, then I thought, okay, well, I'm going to steal a little part of the bass line and I'm going to put a catchy horn riff right here. This is going to be mm. a second hook or in my opinion, songwriting construction wise, kind of the hook, which yeah. is that that brass line, which everybody over the years, people walk up to me and say, Oh, you're Richard Niles. You know, and they sing me the brass line. Um, That's amazing. I felt I very honored when Jerry Hay, uh, who has played on a million uh, American hits as the leader of, of a brass section. He's a trumpet player. He came up to me one uh, one evening at a at a gig and he said, Oh, I hear you're Richard Niles. And he sang the line to me. And he said, Yeah, man, that was that was the hippest thing. That was we, when that came out on the radio, we all thought that was really hip. And I thought, who did that? And then I found out you did it. So I mean that was a tremendous honor for me because of course, I've been Great. listening listening to him play on so many hits, Michael Jackson yeah. and so many other hits. So that was really great. Yeah. So so that's how that thing came about. And uh, recording it was easy. We recorded it in the Master Rock Studios uh, in North London, which was a great studio. And I don't believe it exists anymore, but that's one of the so, many yeah. great studios that doesn't exist. I d did a lot of wonderful records there. And yeah. uh, and it was really nice to, to work there. And I'll tell you why. Here's the reason food they had the, oh. they had their own kitchen and you know you got a nice lunch you got a nice, nice. dinner a good band yeah. runs on its stomach as you well know 
absolutely and I think when I've been to studios that have kitchens it makes a huge difference <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly. and rather than just living off a takeaway which you know it's like not quite as good for you <laughs> yeah it can be okay though. come to the know. studio bring a doggy bag on mm -hmm. the record I also did Twilight World Fooled by a Smile and Surrender those those three tracks but here's the hip thing once Breakout came out and was a number one hit worldwide uh actually it was number four in the UK but it was number six in the in the USA in the pop That's charts which was a amazing. tremendous tremendous achievement for a British group and and yeah. it was the AC adult contemporary number one and yeah. that's why so many uh people of that generation knew the record because they were just playing it non-stop on on the AC stations which is what we all want I did all those tracks and, and of course I was able to use real strings and mm. I'm particularly happy with the stuff that I did on Twilight World and you can hear various mixes of that and on one of the mixes I'm actually rapping they asked they said would you like to I would like you to do a rap on this and I said sure I'm the perfect person to be rapping <laughs> so so I wrote this kind of amusing satirical type of rap uh, on That's there amazing. Uh, yeah Twilight World you know and I did a whole character so if those of you who can find the mix uh it's it's great fun the, the other interesting kind of thing about that record is that they they asked me when they were putting the artwork together, they asked me to write some liner notes, which, of course, Amazing. you know, asking Richard Niles to do that, it's kind of a red rag to a bull, as they say. So <laughs> so uh, so I wrote these kind of beatnik bop poetry liner notes to it. So you wrote the liner notes for this album. I'd love to see them or hear them. Well, I, I can read them to you. I can show them to you here. Oh, wow. So my feeling about it was that they were had this jazzy bohemian kind of flavor to their to their thing. So yeah. I wrote a kind of a beat poetry thing that's that echoed the kind of late 50s beatnik era. Amazing. So here it is. Don't tell anyone, but these guys are hip. They broke out and broke away and you sweetly surrendered without hype, without gimmicks, just tight snared grooves, bohemian harmony, swing boplicity. Out of the cool and into your radio's heart, but don't tell anyone. The jazz police are everywhere, on the lookout for the in the know. So speak the silent way, or it could be too late to cry. After all, you gave them your ears, guilty. And I, like some backstreet dealer, scored bright brass filigree and satin sheets of strings for them. And we'd risk it all again for Rhythmastic Martin's peculiar sense of fun. Andy's deviously wrong chords seen in all the right places. Yes, Corinne, glamorous flapper head to clunky sister shoes with that optimistic alto flute we call her voice. What the hell? Tell everyone. It's the worst kept secret in the best dressed world. Swing out, sister. They went out as moon dreams and came back as stars. So I love it. Wow. I also used a lot of the titles of their songs in there. Nice. So <laughs> that, that was part of the thing. Surrender was one of the songs. And well, you, the, those of you who 
know, know the record will know that there's a lot of song titles in there. And I also <laughs> mentioned things like jazz tunes, like Moon Dreams and stuff like that. Publicity. So, I heard publicity, publicity. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, that was the thing. And so amazed that they liked it and put it on the record, which was great. Amazing. I mean, I'm not amazed. I'm, I mean, I'm not surprised because it's wonderful. So yeah. <laughs> that's so fun. I, lo I love that. That's so great. I'm I'm, I'm super glad that that record was um, such a huge hit because it was mm. great and it's it sort of embodies everything that I think a great pop record should be because it's super musical and mm. it's super catchy and it's optimistic and uh, there were so many singles from the record which was great and and also another reason that they called me was that they had liked Slave to the Rhythm so I definitely did Slave to the Rhythm before I did this. Yes. And they knew they wanted brass and they liked the sound of the brass on that record. So yeah. there we are. There you go. Wow. I'm, well, I'm sure everybody's already heard this before, but now maybe they can hear hear it again with new ears and look out for those brass hooks. Yeah. And hear, hear that, that synth sound from that Yamaha keyboard that um, that actually sounds yeah really good, I think. Yeah, the CS80. Um, if anybody yeah. wants a hernia, buy that keyboard. <laughs> Very good. Well, exciting. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to... Um, to our next chat, which will be about a record you worked on for Tears for Fears Indeed. a couple of years later. So yeah, let's we'll see you next time for that. Thank you very much, okay. Richard. Thanks a lot. Radio Richard. Like, share, subscribe, even donate. Radio Richard. Be informed. Be amazed. Be inspired.